Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, it's Seat Kulazinac. Welcome to the Arsenal Audio Program. Premier League. Sunday, April the 1st, 2018. Arsenal vs Stoke City. Kick-off 1.30pm. The contents. The boss, Arsene Wenger. The captain, Per Mertesacker. Voice of Arsenal. Player feature, Granit Xhaka. Arsenal youth, Young Gun, Dejan Ilyev. Match action. Arsenal versus AC Milan. That's me. Community. In the mix. Visitors. Stoke City. Continental Cup. Arsenal women. 1998. Country file. Club culture. My story. Teams. On behalf of the manager, Steve Bould. With Arsene Wenger ill in the run-up to today's game, we spoke to Steve Bould. Steve was talking to Rob Kelly. Games against Stoke City are always special for me because I was born there and I used to go and watch them with my dad on the terraces of the old Victoria ground. It was my club growing up. I spent nine seasons there as a player as well, so it's ingrained. Looking back on our away game there this season, it was tough, but, to be honest, we should have won. We actually played well, but didn't come away with the three points, and obviously our focus is on getting both the performance and the result spot on today. It's important that we concentrate on league games. People keep talking about the Europa League, but we need some wins in the Premier League. That's where our focus is at the present time. If you've got to win a game, the worst way to prepare is to lose the one before. It's just a fact that confidence drops, so it's a big game for us today, and a big game for Stoke too. My friends and family up in the area are worried because they have seen a big established club in the Premier League for a long time now. I read somewhere that they were the 22nd richest club in the world at some stage, If you'd have told me that when I was playing there in 1984, I'd have told you that they were mad. It's a completely different club to the one I was at. It's a big worry, and it's obviously the big worry for every Premier League team. 
relegation is not something that's easy to overcome. But when you look at Stoke's squad, you see quality in every position. They've got depth too, so we are going to need to be completely focused on today's game if we're going to get the win. We had quite a few players away during the international break, but it was good to see Alexandre Lacazette back in training. I think this little break might have done him the world of good, actually, because the Premier League is different to the French league that he came from. He's found it tougher physically, so it might be a blessing in disguise, the fact that he's had that month to come back fighting. Alex is a very good footballer. He's not just a goalscorer. He's not just an out-and-out striker. He can play. The physical element has surprised him a little bit and caught up with him, which it does to many players who come from abroad. But I think that month might have helped him in that respect. I know he's been working in the gym, so I hope he comes back sharper. Of our players on international duty, it was good to see Granit Xhaka score for Switzerland and our young goalkeeper Dejan Ilyev get on the bench for Macedonia. In other news, Mohamed Elneny has signed a new contract, and we're all happy about that. Mo is very popular among the players and the staff. I've never seen him not smile. He's a real top fella, and I'm delighted he's extended his contract. It looks like he's gone up another level again. I think Mo's probably found it tough in that respect, in terms of the physical side when he first came here. He's improved, and everybody's happy for him. Enjoy the game. From the boss, here's how Arsene Wenger reacted to our victory over AC Milan in our last fixture. It was a difficult game for two reasons. One is that we played against a good side who are unbeaten in Italy for a long, long time, and you could see why. Secondly, subconsciously, we were in a protective mode with the handbrake a little bit on from the start. Instead of turning the game forward, we played backwards. That's always the best way to invite your opponent to be dangerous. After that, when we were 1-0 down, you could see straight away the response was in the team. As soon as we pushed forward, we looked dangerous. And I believe overall we finished the game in a convincing way. It was a good game against a solid team, and we needed to be resilient and disciplined. But we made a big effort and did the best part of the job in the first game. It's always difficult to finish the job, especially when you have a good away result, because you are a little bit in between. That's always difficult. We had a tough week before the first leg, and to recover from that you need to be mentally strong. You need to be solid. The team needs to show together a response. That's what we did. Overall, I think many people didn't expect us to respond like we did. That shows the team is healthy, has a good basis, and we have seen that for many teams. It is difficult to win at home when you have done it away from home. The Captain. Per on how we need to hit the ground running after the international break. International breaks are always easier to deal with after a win, so the last fortnight or so has been pretty positive for us. For those who went away with their countries, it's nice to catch up with your international teammates and continue the preparation for the World Cup. And for those who stayed, we had some really good training sessions, so we're in good shape. 
I was really pleased to see Lacker back on the training pitch again. He looks well, he looks sharp, and that's what we need from him. It's always tough when you have to move to a new league, especially when you've played your entire career in your home country. But I feel that Lacker's adapted really well, and we are delighted to have him back. When you add in Danny Welbeck's performance against AC Milan and the way that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has started here, it shows the strength in depth we have up front. It's vital for us to have that competition, that everybody pushes each other, that everybody knows that they can't take it easy in training or in matches. I thought Danny was really good against Milan. I liked his performance and especially his attitude. He hadn't scored for a while, so to want to take that penalty when the momentum had just shifted towards Milan showed a strong mentality. He was confident, he wanted to score and he made sure he did. If you look past his goals, his all-round game was convincing. He didn't relax once he'd got that goal. He carried on making it uncomfortable for the Milan defenders through his hard work and perseverance. When he's playing like that, Danny is a real force for us. The team performance against Milan was quite positive in general. When they took the lead, we responded in the best possible way. We didn't panic. We just stepped up our game and made sure that we got that equaliser before half-time. At the same time, we know our performance wasn't perfect. They put us under pressure at the start of the second half and we struggled to get a foothold for a bit after half-time. But the most important thing was not to concede. That was very similar against Watford too. Once we'd taken the lead, they had a couple of chances, but we managed to keep them out and then took advantage of them having to open up more after half-time. On the subject of the Watford match, I want to again congratulate Petr Cech on his brilliant achievement of reaching 200 Premier League clean sheets. Petr is brilliant to work with. He's a modern-day legend, and we're so happy to have him as a big part of our group. To have someone with his level of experience, with his knowledge of what it takes to win big trophies, that's big for our dressing room. Mohamed Elneny signed a new contract with us recently, which I was pleased to see. I think Mo is the sort of person that everybody loves, always smiling, always willing to give his absolute everything for the team. You need to have players like that for a squad to be successful. Mo is a real asset for us. So overall, the mood is good going into today's game. Let me assure you, though, that we know it's going to be tough against Stoke today, as it always is. They might be having quite a tough season, but they are always very difficult opponents, as we all well know. We have to start with intent and make sure that we stamp our authority on the game from the first whistle. For us, it's a big game. We want to start well after the international break. In the past, we've had some difficulties in our first match after a break, so it's vital that we do all we can to make sure that that doesn't happen today. We still have aims and goals for this season, and if we are to achieve those, we need to make sure we approach every game absolutely seriously. We won't prioritise certain games, we just want to go into every single one with the same focus and attitude, to win. Finally, on behalf of all the squad, I wanted to wish everyone a very happy Easter weekend. Hopefully, we'll all go home happy this afternoon. Thanks for your support. Pear was talking to Nick Bromsack. Voice of Arsenal Remembering Rocky 
Yesterday marked the 17th anniversary of the death of David Rocastle. As the years go by, our memories of this truly great gunner remain undiminished. Indeed, with the excellent 89 documentaries release earlier this season, many younger supporters will have had the chance to appreciate his crucial role in that team and the George Graham era in general for the first time. Our Exhibit Arsenal feature this issue looks at a special award received by the then 21-year-old that currently resides in the museum. Our thoughts, as always, are with the Rowcastle family and his friends and former teammates at this difficult time of year. Matchball Sponsor Today's Matchball Sponsors have sent in the following message. When we wanted to give our son Luke a special present to create a lifetime memory to remember his grandfather by, we didn't have to think any further than an exciting day out at Arsenal. After meeting his favourite player, hopefully the match result will be a happy one too. From Russia, with love, we will face CSKA Moscow in the quarter-final of the Europa League. We reach this stage of the competition by beating AC Milan 5-1 over two legs, while CSKA Moscow knocked out Lyon in the last 16. The full fixture information is Arsenal versus CSKA Moscow, Thursday, April 5th, kick-off 8.05pm UK time at the Emirates Stadium. CSKA Moscow versus Arsenal, Thursday, April 12th, kick-off 8.05pm UK time at the VEB Arena. Here are the other quarter-final ties. Lazio versus RB Salzburg, Atletico Madrid versus Sporting, RB Leipzig versus Marseille. Mo's New Deal. Congratulations to Mo Elneny. Our Egypt midfielder has signed a new contract with the club. The midfielder has made 65 appearances for Arsenal since joining us in January 2016. He began his senior career with El Makoloun in the Egyptian Premier League before joining Swiss club FC Basel in 2013, helping them to three Super League titles. Mo is an experienced international and was part of the squad that recently helped Egypt qualify for this summer's World Cup, their first appearance since 1990. Well done, Mo. We look forward to your continued contribution in the coming seasons. Premier League stats. Shots. Alexandra Lagazetti, 42. Granit Zaka, 40. Aaron Ramsey, 37. Alex Iwobi, 27. Mizat Odzil, 25. Assists. Henrik Mkhitaryan, 9. Mizat Odzil, 8. Aaron Ramsey, 6. Granit Zaka, 5. Sead Kosalanak, 4. Passes. Granit Zaka, 2,478. Mesut Ozil, 1,738. Laurent Koccielny, 1,679. Hector Bellerin, 1,537. And Nacho Monreal, 1,508. Crosses. Mesut Ozil, 91. Henrik Mkhitaryan, 71. Granit Zaka, 67. Hector Bellerin, 57. Sead Kosalinak, 33. Clearances. Laurent Kajelny, 129.
Shkodran Mustafi, 125, Nacho Monreal, 69, Hector Bellerin, 56, Granit Zaka, 45. Remembering Constable Alex Morgan. Constable Alex Morgan's contribution to Arsenal has been remembered with a commemorative plaque at Highbury Square. Alex holds a very special place in the hearts of fans who were present at Highbury home games during the 1960s and 70s when he would sing with the Metropolitan Police Band in the corner of East Stand and Clock End. Alex's family paid a visit to Highbury on Sunday, March the 11th, to see the plaque alongside our former assistant manager Pat Rice and club secretary David Miles. Legends to face Real Madrid. Our legends will take on a team of Real Madrid greats home and away this year in aid of both clubs' charitable foundations. We travel to the Santiago Bernabeu for the first game on Sunday, June 3rd. The two teams then come to North London for a second match at Emirates Stadium on Saturday, September the 8th, kick-off at 2pm. Robert Pires was in Madrid recently to announce the games. He's expected to play alongside fellow Invincibles Freddie Jungberg, Gilberto Silva, Ray Parler, Sol Campbell and Lauren. Thomas Rosicki is also set to take part in both legs, together with a host of star names. Roberto Carlos, Zabi Alonso and Raul are among the players due to feature for Real Madrid legends. The match in Spain will be played in aid of Real Madrid's foundation, with the return match in aid of the Arsenal Foundation. Our inaugural Legends match against AC Milan Glory in 2016 helped to raise £1 million to build football pitches around North London and internationally. This doubleheader against Real Madrid will help us use football and the Arsenal name to reach more young people around the world. Visit arsenal.com for all the ticket information. Matchday stewards required. The club is seeking exceptional stewards to work on match days and major events on a casual basis at Emirates Stadium. You will be an ambassador for the club and provide a best-in-class service to enhance the fan and customer experience while ensuring safety and security standards are maintained at all times. Suitable candidates should be smart, friendly and confident. If interested, please apply via www.arsenaljobs.com by 23rd of April 2018. Watch the under-23s at the Emirates. Our under-23s are set to face Villarreal in the Premier League International Cup semi-final and the game will be played at Emirates Stadium. We reach the final four of this competition thanks to Josh De Silva's 87th minute winner against Dynamo Zagreb and will now face Villarreal on Tuesday, April 10th. Kick-off is at 7pm and ticket information will be available on arsenal.com. New balls, please. With British summertime now upon us, today's match will be our first of 2018 to be played using a white Premier League ball. We'd previously used the high-vis version of the ball over the course of autumn and winter. The last time we used a white one this season was in our 5-2 win at Everton in October. Let's hope for a similar result today. Zaka can. Well done to Granit Zaka who was on target for Switzerland during the international break. For more news on how our international players performed for their countries, keep listening. Baggett. Win with Arsenal and Puma. In every programme this season, the club's kit partner, Puma, are giving away travel bags. Just answer this question to be in with a chance of winning. 
What was the score when Stoke visited the Emirates last season? Email your answer, including your full name and address, to programme at arsenal.co.uk or tweet at Arsenal Magazine. All entries to us by Friday, April 6th, please. One entry per person. Women's FA Cup semi-final date. We will face Everton ladies in the semi-finals of the SSE Women's FA Cup on Sunday, April 15th at 12.30pm. We last met them in the competition back in 2014 in the final, when we lifted the trophy following a 2-0 win. Here are the match details. Date, Sunday, April 15th, kick-off 12.30pm. Venue, Marine Travel Arena, College Road, Crosby, L23, 3AS. West Ham and Southampton games moved. We can now confirm that our Premier League match against West Ham United has been moved for live television coverage. The match, which was due to take place at Emirates Stadium on Monday, April 23rd, will now take place as follows. Arsenal versus West Ham United, Sunday, April 22nd, kick-off 1.30pm, live on Sky Sports. And that's not our only fixture change. Our match against Southampton has moved to the following date. Arsenal versus Southampton, Sunday, April the 8th, kick-off 2.15pm, live on Sky Sports. On this day, in 1949, Sammy Nelson's born. In 1995, Arsenal 5, Norwich 1. In 2006, Abu Dhabi scores his first goal for us in a 5-0 win over Aston Villa. Coming up on Thursday, CSKA Moscow visit the Emirates in the Europa League. Above and beyond. Congratulations to Uliana Dmitriev, who went above and beyond with her programme selling skills against Watford recently. Uliana deservedly won a pair of Puma trainers, and we'd like to thank her for her sterling efforts on the afternoon. If you think one of our programme sellers has gone above and beyond, please let us know by emailing programme at arsenal.co.uk. Ref Watch. Craig Pawson. This afternoon's referee is Craig Pawson from Sheffield. The 39-year-old has taken charge of no fewer than 10 of our games since the start of the 2015-16 season, and here's our full recent record. 2015-16, Premier League, Leicester City 2, Arsenal 5, yellow card. Premier League, Stoke City 0, Arsenal 0. Premier League, Manchester United 3, Arsenal 2, 3 yellow cards. Premier League, West Ham United 3, Arsenal 3. In 2016-17, Premier League, Burnley 0, Arsenal 1. Premier League, West Ham United 1, Arsenal 5, 3 yellow cards. FA Cup semi-final, Arsenal 2, Manchester City 1, 2 yellow cards. In 2017-18, Premier League, Liverpool 4, Arsenal 0, 4 yellow cards. Premier League, Everton 2, Arsenal 5, 1 yellow card. Carabao Cup final, Arsenal 0, Manchester City 3, 4 yellow cards. Played 10, won 5, drawn 2, lost 3, 4, 23 against 19, and 18 Arsenal yellow cards. Anti-Semitic and discriminatory chanting of all kinds is offensive to home and away supporters alike and will not be tolerated. If you witness any form of offensive chanting at the match, you can report it to a matchday steward or use our See Something, Say Something service by texting FOUL to 67777 together with a description of the incident. 
We're proud of the diverse nature of our team, our supporters and wider community. Thank you for your support and enjoy the game. Exclusive player interview, Granite Sharker. Born Basel, Switzerland, September the 27th, 1992. Joined Arsenal from Borussia Mönchengladbach on May the 25th, 2016. Arsenal debut versus Liverpool. Home, Premier League, 14th of August 2016. First AFC goal versus Hull City away. Premier League, 17th of September 2016. Stats. Following the Watford game, Granite had completed the most successful passes in the opposition half in the Premier League, 1,351, 14 more than De Bruyne, touched the ball more times than any Arsenal player in the Premier League, 1,445, 270 more than second-placed Ozil, played the second most minutes in the Premier League for Arsenal, 1,330, seven fewer than Czech. Words by Nick Bramsack. Our recent resurgence has coincided with arguably Granite Sharker's best trio of games this season. A virtual ever-present so far this campaign, Granite took more combined touches and made more combined passes than any of his teammates over the course of our two wins over AC Milan and home victory over Watford, impressing when playing in a three alongside Jack Wilshire and Aaron Ramsey, and in a two with Mohamed Elneny. Our results and performances in those three matches were much needed, restoring self-belief among the squad after a poor run of five defeats in six games, so as lose the Carabao Cup final and concede vital ground in the race for the Premier League top four. Now our most likely route back into the Champions League looks to be through the Europa League. Granite is looking forward to the upcoming quarter-final against CSKA Moscow and feels a positive result this afternoon will be vital in further raising confidence levels ahead of Thursday's vital first leg here. Granite, let's start with your reflections on our 3-1 win over AC Milan in our last game. Yeah, I think we showed character, especially when we went 1-0 down. You could sense that our confidence had returned, especially after we also won the previous two games. We are happy to have progressed. How important was it for us to draw level so soon after going behind? It's always important to start well in the second leg, especially when you're at home, because of the weight of away goals. Milan played well in the first half, they made things difficult for us, but it was important for us to draw level through Danny's penalty before half-time. That meant they needed two goals after the break, and in the second half I thought we were the better team. The Milan game gave you a good chance to catch up with your close friend Ricardo Rodriguez too. Yeah, we spoke before both games. He was disappointed to have gone out, but they're having a good run in Serie A at the moment, so they still have a lot to play for. What's it like when you play against someone who you're close friends with? It's always something special to go up against someone you know well, or are roommates with at international level. I didn't want to play AC Milan so early in the competition, but I was delighted we got through the tie and we'll remain friends. The draw for the quarter-final has been made, 
and we now know that we'll face CSKA Moscow. What's your reaction? I'd have preferred to have the first game away from home, but hopefully we can take a big step towards qualifying at the Emirates. It will be the second time I've visited Moscow. I played there in the Europa League for Basel against Spartak. We're looking forward to it, and we know it will be tough, because CSKA showed a lot of character to beat Lyon in the last round. They won 3-2 away from home, and that's a good warning for us. We'll need to remain focused throughout. What can you remember of your first trip to Moscow with Basel? It was cold, at least minus 10 degrees. We lost the game. They coped with the cold better than we did. But this is a new game, and we're looking forward to it. Let's talk about your own form. You must be pleased with how things have gone in the last three games. We had a bad spell where we lost a few games in a row, and our confidence levels dropped as a result. We weren't performing to our usual standards. The things we were trying weren't coming off for us, and we didn't have much luck either. But through winning a few games, we've managed to get that confidence back, and you can see that every player is now at the level we need to be at. We're a good team with lots of quality, and we can beat many times if we're fully focused and working together. Were you surprised by the way things have changed? In four days we went from losing at Brighton to putting on a very good performance in the San Siro. We'd lost a few games in a row, and we have to admit that we deserved to lose the cup final against City because they were better than us on the day. In the league game against them, it's always difficult when you go 3-0 down in the first half, but I don't think they deserve to win by three goals. Against Brighton, we were asleep for much of the first half. Then we went to the San Siro, where we were under intense pressure and being criticised by everyone, with people saying we weren't ready or good enough to compete. To have given the performance we did, where we stuck together and really played as a team, that showed the character of this team. In terms of yourself, what's gone well in recent games? I've always said that to be successful, you need all 11 players, plus those on the bench and those in the squad. You can't just win a game because two or three players have a good game. You have to work together as a unit, both in defence and in attack. I think we've become stronger defensively because we're all really focusing on what we need to do. Everyone knows that we have a lot of quality going forward, but at the moment I think we've got that balance and we need to keep that. You played with Aaron and Jack in both legs of the AC Milan tie. How did you find it and how did you have to adjust your game? When I play with those two, I'm a bit deeper, basically just in front of the defence. Jack and Aaron like to go forward to get into the box, whereas I'm happy to stay back and build the play from a deeper area. In the past, it's worked well, even if we haven't had the results to back that up, and in the AC Milan games, we combined well together. Against Watford, you started alongside Mo Eldeny. How does your game change when you play in a midfield two rather than a three? Well, Mo likes to sit quite deep sometimes and think from a defensive perspective. Jack and Aaron naturally go forward more, but we all have our qualities and always try to help each other out. In terms of today's opposition, 
your compatriot, Jerdan Shakiri, has really excelled in a team that have otherwise struggled at times. Yeah, Jerdan is a good friend of mine, and is someone with lots of quality. He's got an excellent left foot. When you're near the bottom, it's really difficult to get out of trouble. Stoke are a good team, and have played some good games, but in football, you need luck. We didn't have any of that when we went there at the start of the season and lost. We were definitely the better team that day, but couldn't score. Today, we want to make sure the three points stay at home. You'll be seeing a lot of Jeden during the summer. Switzerland's first game is against Brazil. How do you feel about it? It's a massive highlight for the whole of Switzerland to play against Brazil in the World Cup, and as our first game too. Brazil are major favourites, but believe me, we won't hide. We've got a great group, and straight away we'll be able to show that we can spring a surprise. But we'll need to prepare well if we are to do that. You've played against Brazil a couple of times before, and those games have heralded a lot of success. Yeah, I played against them in the Under-17 World Cup, where we beat them 1-0 at the group stage. After that, we won 1-0 with the senior national team too. We can beat Brazil, and we can beat other countries too. But to do so, we'll need to have a great day. Arsenal Youth. A fine win for the under-23s, followed by a hard-fought draw for the under-18s in the FA Youth Cup semi-final. Saturday, March 17th, Premier League 2, London Colney. Arsenal under-23s 3, Chelsea under-23s 1. Arsenal scorers, Nicotia, 20th minute, John Jules, 34th minute, Nelson, 64th minute. Chelsea scorer, Scott, 14th minute. Our under-23s show great spirit to mount a comeback after conceding early on. Eddie Nicotier scored his 10th goal of the Premier League 2 season. Rice Nelson scored his 8th league goal in just 10 appearances. Goals from Eddie Nicotier, Tyrese John Jules and Rice Nelson were enough to down Chelsea and move us to win a single point of league leaders Leicester City. We came into this fixture off the back of a 3-1 defeat to Tottenham Hotspur and after 14 minutes it seemed that another disappointment may be on the cards when Kyle Scott fired Chelsea into the lead. The number 10 received the ball on the edge of the box, worked a yard of space and made no mistake in finding the top left corner. Chelsea looked to gain control of the game with their early lead but the Gunners' high pressing pinned them back and forced an almost instant response. Unable to clear the ball from their box following a corner, Nicotia pounced on a loose ball and levelled the score in the 20th minute. That's the 18-year-old's 10th league goal of this season. We continued with our relentless attacking approach for the remainder of the first half, restricting Chelsea to few chances and soon after we took the lead through John Jules. With the ball rolling across the box amid a crowd of bodies, the 17-year-old produced a stunning, instinctive flick to find the bottom right corner. The referee originally deemed the goal to be offside, but pointed to the halfway line after consulting with the linesman. We went in at half-time with a much-deserved lead, and came out for the second half with the same dominance and attacking flair. 
Nicotia continued to ask questions of the Chelsea defence with his quick dribbling, helping us to work a number of half chances before Jordi Osetutu's long-range effort sailed just over. We were in cruise control for much of the half, and in the 64th minute, Rice Nelson rounded off a very encouraging performance with his eighth league goal of the season. The Englishman delivered a dangerous whipped free kick across the Chelsea box that inadvertently found the back of the net and sealed all three points. Arsenal team. Ilyev, Osetutu, Mavropanos, Medley, Bola, Da Silva, Willock, Dragomir, Nelson, John Jules, Nicotia. Subs not used. Amayechi, Gilmore, Ballard, Fortune, Barden. Tuesday, March 20th, FA Youth Cup, semi-final first leg, Bloomfield Road. Blackpool under-18s, 2. Arsenal under-18s, 2. Blackpool scorers, Sumner, 44. Jacobson, 53. Arsenal scorer, John Jules, 31. Amayechi, 63. Tyrese John Jules has scored for both the under-23s and the under-18s in the same week. Our under-18s have gone 14 games unbeaten. Arsenal now have home advantage. Tyrese John Jules and Xavier Amayechi both found the back of the net as we were held to a draw against Blackpool in the FA Youth Cup semi-final first leg. We took the lead twice, but were pegged back each time, leaving us to rue Trey Coyle's missed penalty. The opening half-hour proved to be a cagey affair, with little by way of clear-cut chances. But through the sharp reactions of John Jules inside the six-yard box, we scored the game's opening goal. The Gunners then dominated the remainder of the first half, but just before the stroke of half-time, Blackpool drew level through Dylan Sumner. Will Dunn nodded the ball back across goal from the back post, and Sumner was there to rifle it home. Blackpool had been given a boost going into half-time, but in the 63rd minute they once again found themselves trailing. Vonte Daly-Campbell burst forward from deep and delivered a perfectly weighted ball to an unmarked Amayechi, who looked up, picked his spot and coolly found the bottom corner. Our dominance continued as Bukayo Saka charged into the Blackpool box and won a penalty, but Craig Thordarston prevented Coyle from extending our lead. We were in the ascendancy, and it seemed we'd go into the second leg with a deserved lead, but in the 73rd minute, Blackpool punished us for wasted chances. We failed to clear an inviting cross into the box from the right-hand side, and there was Ben Jacobson to convert from close range. Arsenal team, Ocon Kuo, Daly Campbell, Ballard, Medley, Omole, Oleinka, substituted by Saka, 61st minute. Burton, Amayechi, John Jules, Coyle, Balogan, substituted by Smith, 61st minute. Subs not used, Oluwu, Barden, Clark. Words by Aidan Small. Young Gun, the next generation in their own words. This time... Dayan Ilyev, born February 1995. Previous club, FK Balasica. Nationality, Macedonian. Joined in 2012, position goalkeeper. 
Having had a very worrying and frustrating two years with injury, my career is back on track and I couldn't be happier. I was due to make my full international debut for Macedonia on Tuesday night in a friendly against Azerbaijan and I've been involved with the full squad since last October. There was a time in the couple of years before this season where I really feared that my career was over. The problem was a meniscus injury which happened in training. I went to turn and my studs got stuck and I twisted my right knee and tore the cartilages. I had four surgeries in all, with six months recovery after each. The first two attempts in the UK were unsuccessful, so I went to Germany, where they partially removed the damaged cartilage and then had a final operation to clear up scar tissue. Thankfully, that was successful, and although it's been a difficult two-year journey, I made my comeback game in a friendly against Watford in pre-season, and I've played nine games for the under-23s this season. I'm lucky that I have family, friends and colleagues around me, keeping me positive, and the club too were excellent. They supported me in every way, including going to Germany for the operation. Nothing was too much, and I'm very grateful. I feel I'm now mentally stronger and calmer as a result of the injury, which will help me as a goalkeeper. Losing what I valued for so long has magnified my appreciation of the opportunity I have. I'm even hungrier and more determined because I feel I've been given a second chance. I'm giving my maximum and working hard on becoming the best player I can be, and being involved for my country has given me a huge boost. The recent changes to international competition will help too. The UEFA Nations League groups nations of similar abilities in separate divisions, so there are competitive games and one from each group will qualify for Euro 2020. Games begin in September, and Macedonia are in the same group as Armenia. Me and Mickey have already spoken about this, and are both looking forward to the game, and both our countries have a good chance of qualifying. I was on the bench for two of our World Cup qualifiers. We beat Israel and drew with Albania, but weren't expected to go through with Spain and Italy in our group. With the Nations League, more teams have a chance of qualifying, which has created a lot of excitement. I think it will eventually help raise standards as games will be more competitive. We face Stoke City today and they are always tough. The squad will be back together after the international break and I don't believe there will be a hangover. The team was back on a positive track just before the break and I expect that to continue. And I hope it will be another clean sheet for Petr Ketch. He's a, such a great goalkeeper and fantastic person who I've learned a lot from. He deserves all the accolades he's received. Dayan was speaking to Lambros Lambro. Match action. Arsenal versus AC Milan. Thursday, March the 15th, 2018-2005. Europa League. Game number 48. Venue, Emirates Stadium. Referee, Jonas Eriksson. Attendance, 59,131. Arsenal 3, AC Milan 1. Arsenal win 5-1 on aggregate. The scorers for Arsenal were well back in the 38th minute with a penalty and the 85th, and Scharke in the 71st minute. For Milan, Kalinoglu in the 36th minute. Playing for Arsenal were 13, Ospina, 24, Bellerin. 6. Koscielny, substituted in the 10th minute. 
20. Mustafi 18. Montreal 10. Wilshire 29. Shaka 77. Mkhitaryan 23. Welbeck 8. Ramsey 11. Ozil Substituted in the 79th minute Substitutes 33. Czech 31. Kolasinac who came on in the 79th minute 21. Chambers who came on in the 10th minute 35. Elneny 30. Maitland-Niles 17. Iwobi and 62. Nketia Match stats Total shots 17 Shots on target 9 Corners 4 Offsides 1 Fouls 13 Possession 58% Playing for AC Milan were 99. Donnarumma 11. Borini 19. Bonucci 13. Romagnoli 68. Rodriguez 79. Kessi who was substituted in the 79th minute 10. Kalanoglu substituted in the 69th minute 18. Montolivo 9. Silva 63. Cotroni substituted in the 68th minute and 8. Suso substitutes were 30. Storari 5. Bonaventura, who came on in the 69th minute. 7. Kalinic, who came on in the 68th minute. 17. Zapata, 21. Biglia, 22. Musaccio, 73. Locatelli, who came on in the 79th minute. Match stats. Total shots, 14. Shots on target, 3. Corners, 6. Offsides, 5. Fouls, 9. Possession, 42%. Man of the match was Danny Welbeck. Match facts. Arsenal reach a European quarter-final for the first time since 2009-10. Arsenal have had more different goalscorers than any side in European competition this season, with Danny Welbeck and Granit Xhaka, the 14th and 15th scorers in this campaign. Mesut Ozil created six goal-scoring chances, the most by an Arsenal player in Europe since November 2013. Masoud vs Marseille, six again. First half. Milan's Andre Silva flashes an early chance into the side netting before Laurent Koscielny heads over from a corner. Hakan Kalanoglu then has a shot blocked and Arsenal storm to the other end where Gianluigi Donnarumma denies Danny Welbeck. Just after the half-hour, Colonaglu puts the Italians ahead with a superb drive from 25 yards. Moments later, Welbeck is fouled in the box by Ricardo Rodriguez and converts the spot kick himself. Alessio Romagnoli then shoots over from two yards and Jack Wilshire sees an effort saved in a frantic end to the first half. Second half Early in the half, Henrik Mkhitaryan has an effort diverted from a corner in which Skrodan Mustafi has a header saved. Suso responds for Milan, shooting wide. Midway through the half, Arsenal are ahead on the night, Granit Xhaka shooting from 30 yards and Donnarumma shoveling what should have been a routine save into the net. With Milan now resigned to their fate, the Gunners created chances at will and Welbeck nodded home from two yards after good work from Wilshire, who almost got on the score sheet himself, shooting wide from 20 yards. There are seven photographs with this report, apart from the one under the score line. The full-page photograph has the caption, Danny Welbeck nods home from close range to put the Gunners 4-1 up on aggregate. 
The other six have the captions clockwise from top left. Danny Welbeck settles the nerves with his spot kick. Henrik Makhatarian is the meat in a Milan sandwich. Jack Wilshire scampers away from Suso. Aaron Ramsey shields the ball from Ricardo Rodriguez. Granite Xhaka smashes in the third. Hector Bellerin is a step ahead of Patrick Catroni. That's me. Name, Pat O'Connor. Occupation, Facilities Assistant Driver, Arsenal FC. Photo date, September 9th, 1971. Photo location, The Clock End, Highbury. Highbury hosts a special shootout. After an award ceremony in the West End, two of football's most recognisable faces headed to Highbury for an impromptu penalty competition. And Pat O'Connor was there. The Rothmans Golden Boots Award Luncheon on September the 9th, 1971 selected a team of the year from season 1970-71, which featured Arsenal's Frank McClintock and Peter Storey, Ray Kennedy receiving the Young Player of the Year Award. In goal in the team was the great Gordon Banks of Stoke City in England, and he took particular pleasure in receiving his award from guest of honour at the event Ferenc Pushkas, one of the greatest footballers to have ever lived and a self-professed hero of Banks. After the award, some bright sparks suggested that 44-year-old Ferenc, who had retired five years earlier, finishing his career at Real Madrid, and Gordon have an impromptu penalty competition, to which they agreed. After a few phone calls, Arsenal opened its doors and Highbury hosted this rather remarkable event. As member of the Gunners' ground staff, Pat O'Connor recalls, I remember walking down to the clock end and seeing Pushkas on the centre circle, says Pat, who still works for the club as a driver. He flicked the ball up and juggled it all the way down to the goal and smashed it into the top corner. What a player and what a team that hungry side of the 50s was. Pushkas still hit the ball like a rocket with that left foot. He had put on a few pounds but seemed to love every minute of it, as did Gordon. Also pictured is Jimmy Hosey, assistant groundsman at the time. I recognised a few more familiar faces from back in the day too. I was an electrician then, and there were quite a lot of us on the ground staff. It was very much a different time, and a real family atmosphere at the club. There wouldn't have been any problem downing tools for a while to watch something like this take place. I remember a few of us used to go up to the bookies on Blackstock Road, owned by Chelsea defender Mickey Droy's family though I'm not saying if we went during the working hours or not. I've been an Arsenal man all my life. I grew up on Benwell Road. To have worked for the club since 1965 has been a real privilege. This was just one of many, many memorable moments from my time at Arsenal. For the record, the galloping major took ten penalties. He scored six. Banks saved three. And the other flew over the crossbar into Pat and his colleagues. Are you in an Arsenal picture? Have you ever spotted yourself in a famous Arsenal picture? If you have, we'd love to hear your story. Email program at arsenal.co.uk or call 020-7704-4130 and ask to speak to the editor. Community. Using the power of the Arsenal name 
to positively impact the lives of young people since 1985. Twitter in the community. Congratulations to at Arsenal WFC. Amazing win and a special thank you to at Danielle Carter for making Zoe's night even more special. Where are they now? Luke Cordery. When were you involved with Arsenal in the community? From August 2013 to August 2014. After my A-levels, I deferred my degree at St Mary's University, heard about the GAP programme run by Arsenal in the community, and it looked like the perfect way to spend my post-uni year. What was your role? I was taught coaching education by expert Arsenal coaches, then had placements in secondary schools and coached for Arsenal in the community. I was lucky enough with another gapper to go to Cape Town, South Africa and Barbados for a combined total of just under seven months. As gappers, we coached in schools, football clubs, prisons and community programmes. Both trips were phenomenal and I was offered a third opportunity to go to Australia but was due to start university. What are you doing now? I finished my degree and work as a SEND teaching assistant in a secondary school. I start my teacher training degree in September, where I'll train to be a PE and English secondary school teacher. With the taste of giving back to the community still ever-present, I'm also chairman and coach of a men's amateur football team in a local Sunday football league. How did your time with the community department help you in your current role? It provided me with the perfect platform to pursue a career in education. I gained experience, qualifications, the chance to see the world and do things I'd always wished to do. The Gap Year programme instilled the drive in me to prove that education and learning can be fun and that everyone deserves to be part of such experiences within their lifetime. Arsenal in the community leads to untold amounts of opportunity and I wish I could relive it all again. Arsenal in the Community Grassroots Mini League 2018 Later this month sees the start of our annual Spring-Summer Grassroots Mini League, which has been running since 2014 and was started with the following objectives in mind. To fill the gap between the traditional league season finishing in mid-April and the summer holidays, providing further opportunities for young players to play structured games to encourage clubs and coaches to share good practice, to help develop local young players, to provide a child-friendly environment in which players can enjoy the game. Over 500 young players aged 7 to 14 years old will participate in the games, which will be played across five local facilities, the Arsenal Hub, Market Road Football Pitches, St Mark's Primary, Stoke Newington School, and the newly refurbished pitch at Ackland Burley School. This year, the league will be supporting the FA's Respect campaign, and as ever, there will be a strong focus on promoting fair play and positive touchline behaviour. Several members of the first team have showed their support by appearing in a short video, which highlights the negative impacts that poor touchline behaviour can have on player development and enjoyment of the game. We are delighted to once again be hosting our grassroots mini-league for local young players to continue enjoying the game outside of the traditional league season. Interest from local clubs has been very positive, which is great to see. Aside from football, it's a great opportunity to share good practice and try to tackle other issues within the grassroots game, such as negative touchline behaviour.
We hope everyone enjoys and benefits from their involvement, says James Warnock, Arsenal in the community. Good luck to the following teams taking part this year. Arsenal in the Community Football Plus, Soccer Skills, LSS Academy, Queen's Park Sharks, North West Academy, Kentish Town Academy, CM Futsal, Arsenal in the Community, Drayton Youth, AC Juniors, Red Dot Academy, Camden and Westminster Kicks, Elthorne Kicks, Andover Kicks, Rosemary Kicks, Harvest Kicks, Untied Youth and Footgen Academy. For updates on how the mini league is progressing, you can follow us on Twitter at AFC Community. In the mix, everything you need to know and plenty you don't about an Arsenal based topic penalties. These items are in the order in which they appeared in the printed copy. 1. Arsenal have scored 101 penalties in Premier League history from 136 taken. 2. Pedro Cech's save from Troy Deeney was the 19th time an Arsenal goalkeeper has saved a spot kick in the Premier League. 10. The first penalty ever scored in the Football League was taken by Joseph Heath for Wolves in September 1891. Heath later played 12 times for Arsenal. 9. We have faced 100 penalties in the Premier League and conceded 71. 8. Arsenal became the first side to lose two European finals in penalty shootouts with defeat to Galatasaray in the 2000 UEFA Cup final. We also lost the 1980 Cup Winners' Cup final on spot kicks. 11. We have taken part in 19 penalty shootouts, winning 12 and losing the other 7. We have scored 74 out of 101 spot kicks in shootouts, including each of our last 11. 12. Arsenal missed two penalties in the FA Cup fourth-round replay at Bolton in February 2007, but still won 3-1. Since then, we have not missed a spot kick in the competition, including shootouts. 13. The last 13 penalties taken by Englishmen in penalty shootouts for Arsenal have all been scored. 19. Since 2006-7, Laurent Koscielny has conceded the most Premier League penalties for us, eight, and Theo Walcott has won the most, seven. Eighteen. The last ever goal scored at Highbury was a penalty, taken by Thierry Henry in a 4-2 win over Wigan Athletic. Three. The most penalties Arsenal have been awarded in a single season was 2006-7, when we won 17 spot kicks, scoring 12. 4. The most penalties scored by a single player in a season for Arsenal is 12, by Martin Hayes in 1986-87. 7. Between November 2001 and February 2014, Arsenal did not lose any of the league games in which they scored a penalty, a sequence of 54 games. 6. Arsenal's 136 Premier League penalties have been taken by 31 different players. Ten of them missed the only one they took. Five, 
Julio Batista took three penalties in his Gunners career and missed them all. 14. Arsenal became the first ever team to win the FA Cup final on penalties, defeating Manchester United 5-4 in a shootout in 2005. Patrick Vieira's winner was the last time he kicked a ball for the club. 15. During that shootout, Robin van Persie took and scored the first penalty of his professional career after Edu opted out. 17. Four days after breaking the Arsenal goal-scoring record, Thierry Henry had an elaborate penalty routine planned against Manchester City where he would run on to a Robert Pires pass, but it backfired and between them they failed to have a shot on target. 16. The only penalty shootout at Highbury ended 9-8 to Arsenal against Rotherham in 2003, with Sylvain Wilted missing his first penalty, then scoring the winner later in the shootout. The Visitors Stoke City are facing a difficult battle to avoid relegation after a decade in the top flight. The Staffordshire club will complete a tenth successive season of Premier League participation in May, but their continued membership of English football's elite is hanging in the balance. They have seven matches in which to climb out of the relegation zone, starting with this afternoon's encounter at Emirates Stadium. Like most of the teams at the wrong end of the table, Stoke felt the need to change managers in mid-season, which meant an early January dismissal for Mark Hughes, sacked in the wake of an FA Cup third-round defeat at Coventry after 200 matches in charge, and his replacement by ex-Norwich City and Aston Villa boss Paul Lambert. Despite a 1-0 win against Arsenal in their opening home game of the campaign back in August, the Potters have struggled to get going all season. Their six wins have all been some distance apart and they haven't gone more than three games in succession without losing. The spectre of relegation has been hovering over the club for the past seven months and with just 27 points from their 31 matches, coupled with the worst goal difference in the division, minus 29, only a major upturn in form will see them clamber to safety. The good news for Stoke fans is that there are plenty of other clubs hovering just above the drop zone, three of whom, West Ham away, Crystal Palace home and Swansea City away, Lambert's men are scheduled to face before the season is out. They also have tough assignments coming up against Tottenham home, Liverpool away and Burnley home. While the Potters appear to have become a lot more organised and resilient at the back since Lambert took over, they conceded three goals or more in six games under Hughes, they are still struggling for fluency and productivity in attack. A 2-0 victory at home to Huddersfield in the Scots' first game in charge proved to be something of a false dawn. They have not won any of their seven matches since then, picking up just four points and scoring the same number of goals, three of them for Zerdan Shakiri. Stoke comes into this fixture on the back of two successive home defeats. 2-0 to champions-elect Manchester City and 2-1 to mid-table Everton. A match in which they were reduced to 10 men after just half an hour following Charlie Adams sending off, while their last two away games were both drawn, 1-1 at Leicester and 0-0 at Southampton. They haven't claimed three points on the road since October, when a Darren Fletcher strike earned them a 1-0 win at Watford.
That remains their only away victory of the season, as opposed to five draws and nine defeats. Stoke lost on all four of their Premier League visits to Emirates Stadium under Hughes. A change of fortune under the new regime is very much the order of the day this Easter Sunday. A brief history. Formed 1863 as Stoke Ramblers. Stadium. Bet 365 Stadium. Capacity 30,089. Manager Paul Lambert. Record Premier League win. 6-1 versus Liverpool, April 2015. Record goalscorer, John Ritchie, 176. Top scorer this season, Zerdan Shakiri, 7. Continental Cup winners. Heroic Gunners lift the WSL Continental Cup after a superb win over Manchester City. Wednesday, March 14th, Adams Park, Wickham FC, WSL Continental Cup Final. Arsenal 1, Manchester City 0. The scorer for Arsenal, Miyadema, in the 33rd minute. Vivian Miyadema scored the only goal as Arsenal won the Continental Cup with a performance of silk and steel against Manchester City. Joe Montemurro named a strong and experienced lineup for the clash at Wickham Wanderers Adams Park, with Sari van Wienendal in goal behind a back four of Lisa Evans, Lee Williamson, Louise Quinn, and Emma Mitchell. Dominique Janssen anchored the midfield alongside Jordan Nobbs and Danielle van der Donk, while skipper Kim Little and Beth Mead supported Miedema up front. The Gunners came on strong after a KG opening 10 minutes and went close to breaking the deadlock when Janssen unleashed a fierce drive from 30 yards that rattled the crossbar. It was a game of few chances, but with Nobbs, Little and Miedema linking up well, Arsenal were on top and made it count on 33 minutes when the latter controlled Janssen's deep cross, held off her marker and guided her shot into the bottom corner. It could have been even better for the Gunners, as Abby McManus cleared a chance off the line, but instead of being 3-0 up, Montemurro's side were forced to settle for a one-goal advantage at the interval. Janssen went close again early in the second half and left many in the ground thinking she'd scored when she fired a free kick into the side netting before City forced their way back into the game. But Van Wienendal saved a header from Jill Scott and then denied Jane Ross as Arsenal held firm to lift the trophy for a record-extending fifth time. I'm just really proud of the girls tonight, said skipper Little, who produced a wonderfully composed performance, despite only recently having returned from long-term injury. We dominated the first half, even though we didn't have too many clear-cut chances, but possession-wise and how we played, I think we were definitely the better team. We've been keeping our focus and our shape towards the end of games, and I'm glad we were able to do it tonight. Trophy number one for Joe. Just four months after joining the club, manager Joe Montemurro was thrilled to claim silverware at the very first time of asking. All credit to the girls, they played very well, said the Gunners' Australian coach. Our game plan went very well for 50 or 60 minutes, but then Man City threw everything at us towards the end, and it got a little bit hairy. We got there in the end. It's actually been seven games since we last conceded a goal, and City created a couple of very good chances in the second half. 
We dominated the first half, though, and we got the rewards. Winning the competition means a lot to me, but we have to make it habit again. It's hopefully one of many going forward. I just applaud the players, because they've worked so hard ever since I came in, and they're starting to believe again. We just want to get better and better. And Joe reserved a final word for match winner Viv. She's a very smart footballer, said the Gunners boss. You won't see her for a while, but she does a lot of work off the ball to create space for Jordan Nobbs and Kim Little to get involved. Her movement and positioning is fantastic, and she got the reward with the goal. The lineup for Arsenal Van Wienendahl, Evans, Williamson, Quinn, Mitchell, Janssen, Van der Donk, Mead, replaced by O'Reilly in the 81st minute, Little, replaced by McCabe in the 89th minute, and Miedema, replaced by Carter in the 73rd minute. Subs not used Morehouse, Scott, James, and Kaiken. Continental Cup finals in full. In 2011, Arsenal 4, Birmingham City Ladies 1. In 2012, Arsenal 1, Birmingham City Ladies 0. 2013, Arsenal 2, Lincoln Ladies 0. 2014, Man City Women 1, Arsenal 0. 2015, Arsenal 3, Notts County Ladies 0. 2016, Man City Women 1, Birmingham City Ladies 0 after extra time. And in 2018, Arsenal 1, Manchester City 0. Arsenal Women. The winning run goes on for Joe Montemora's team as they book a place in the FA Cup semi final. Words Michael Don Levy. Sunday, March the 25th, 2018. SSE Women's FA Cup quarter final. Arsenal 5. Little, 4th minute penalty. O'Reilly, 56. Miedema, 60. Carter, 85. Nobbs, 90. Charlton Athletic, zero. Arsenal finally booked their place in the FA Cup semi-finals last Sunday, beating Charlton Athletic 5-0 a week after the original fixture had fallen victim to snow. Joe Montemuro shuffled his pack but still named a strong line-up for the Gunners' first match since beating Manchester City in the Continental Cup final. Anna Morehouse started in goal, while Alex Scott returned at right-back to captain the side alongside... Louise Quinn, Leah Williamson and Katie McCabe in defence. Danielle van der Donk, Kim Little and Jordan Nobbs formed a strong midfield, with Heather O'Reilly and Beth Mead offering width alongside Dan Carter up front. It didn't take long for the home side to go in front, as there were just four minutes on the clock when the referee pointed to the spot and Little stepped up to convert. More chances followed, with van der Donk just missing from Mead's cross. Little forcing a save and Carter going close, but there was just the one goal to separate the sides at half-time. Van der Donk had another chance to increase the lead early in the second half, only to see her fierce shot from outside the area cannon back off the crossbar. The pressure was relentless, however, and it finally paid off when O'Reilly raced through and scored with a close-range finish on 56 minutes. Charlton, who sit top of the Premier League Southern Division, one rung below WSL2 on the football ladder, were giving a good account of themselves, but they were by now struggling to live with the inform gunners. Viviane Miedema emerged from the bench three minutes after the second goal went in and added a third with her first touch just a minute later, 
and there were two more goals in the last five minutes. First, Carter converted Sublease Evans's cross, and then in the 90th minute, Nobbs fired in an effort from 25 yards to take Arsenal one step closer to a record-extending 15th FA Cup. It's Everton next in the FA Cup. Arsenal will face Everton ladies at the Select Security Stadium on Sunday, April the 15th, for a place in the Women's FA Cup final. The semi-final, which will kick off at 2pm, is a repeat of the 2010 final, which the Toffees won 3-2 after extra time, and the 2014 final, which the Gunners won 2-0. As in the Continental Cup, today's opponents, Chelsea, will face Manchester City in the semi-final, with the winners meeting at Wembley on Saturday the 5th of May. And we still have a shot at the League too. In form, Arsenal can keep their title hopes alive with a win at home to Chelsea today after the Blues had to scrap for a draw at home to Reading last weekend. In fact, Reading were 2-0 up early in the second half, only for goals from Jonah Anderson and Fran Kirby to earn the hosts a point. Arsenal, who have kept eight clean sheets in a row and won our last seven games, sit eight points behind Chelsea with two games in hand. Leah signs long-term deal. There was more good news last week when Leah Williamson committed her future to the club by signing a new long-term contract. Leah first joined our Centre of Excellence programme as a nine-year-old and, despite still only being 20, has become a vital part of the squad. She also recently received her first England senior call-up. Jo Montemori said, We are delighted that Leah has committed her future to us. For a young player, she plays with so much knowledge and experience. That sums it all up. 20 years since Arsene Wenger's team won Arsenal's second double, the matchday programme recalls the stories that surrounded the 1997-98 season. By Jem Maidment. The Daily Mirror's John Cross is one of Britain's best-known football journalists. Previously, he worked as sports editor on the Islington Gazette and has covered the Gunners for more than quarter of a century. Here, he gives his take on that stunning first full season under Arsene Wenger. John, you were a regular at Highbury before Arsene Wenger arrived. Yes, I was. I was at the Gazette until 1995 when George Graham left the club. I actually covered George's Arsenal a lot, and it was a very different Arsenal back in those days. In my book about Wenger, I talk about the fact that it was one of the most traditional, if not the most traditional, football club in the country. George had run his course after eight years or so, but it is worth remembering that his early years were fantastic. Those two league titles in 1989 and 1991 were very special indeed, but as the years wore on, the football had become boring, despite the knockout cup successes in the early 1990s, and I think it is fair to say that the fans had really had enough by then. So, what are your recollections of that time, between February 1995, when George Graham departed, and September 1996, and the beginning of the Wenger era? Stuart Houston had come in straight after George and did his best, and then Bruce Rioch had a season at the club. As I said, Arsenal were a traditional club. I understand that then-Vice-Chairman David Dane had recommended Wenger to the board back in 1995, but they felt it was too much of a gamble. 
but he stuck to his guns and got Wenger a year later. It was a bold move, and certainly not one that was guaranteed to succeed. Wenger inherited a very strong dressing room with a drinking culture. The skipper, Tony Adams, had just announced he was an alcoholic, so there were issues. But what Wenger did, very early on, was to get the players to embrace new methods. This was no mean feat. He reinvigorated a squad that, by the middle of that decade, to all intents and purposes, had come to a standstill. He did, of course, inherit that back four. Yes, but my view is, it is actually quite unfair that people throw that accusation at him as if he were lucky. Sure, it helped him, but he also helped them. He encouraged them to play football and do their stretching and everything. He extended their careers. Cast your mind back to the summer of 1997. Did you believe Arsenal could have the season they were about to enjoy? No, Arsenal were very much outsiders that season. They had improved a lot in the previous few months, and had only narrowly missed out on a place in the Champions League on the last day of the previous season. But Manchester United were absolutely brilliant at that time, with the best manager of the Premier League era in Alex Ferguson. Liverpool were strong too. Newcastle were in the Champions League. That summer was Wenger's first pre-season, as he had come in in September the previous season. Having that pre-season was very important for him. He could stamp his authority on the squad. That summer, with his new signings like Mark Overmars and Emmanuel Petter arriving, was when he really laid down the foundations for his team for the next few years. But did I think they would win the title that season, let alone the double? No. That would have defied belief. The season actually started well for Ian Wright, who finally became the club's leading scorer of all time in September. You know, it's funny, but it's very easy to forget that he did that during that season. So much else went on. Ian was a massive character at the club, and that was in a dressing room full of big, loud characters such as Adams, Martin Keown, Steve Bould, Lee Dixon and many others. But Wrighty was a hugely influential figure. He went from goal-scorer supreme to dressing-room linchpin. He also had a lot of humour and was an outstanding talent. Nicholas and Elka broke through into the first team that season, but Wrighty still played a big role. By December, Arsenal still looked well off the pace as United topped the table. That's true. It's well documented that after a defeat to Blackburn Rovers, the players had a big meeting back at Sopwell House, the hotel in Hertfordshire they used a lot. Ray Parler tells the story of pre-season when all the English players were sat drinking beers while the French guys sat together all smoking cigarettes. It was different cultures, but there was an enormous respect. So when all the players met together in December to discuss where improvements needed to be made, there was that healthy respect. The defence didn't feel Pettit and Patrick Vieira were doing enough to protect them. This was taken the right way, and improvements came very quickly. It was a very important meeting that pulled everyone together. It is a feature of Wenger's management style to let the players sort things out, and this was an early example. He kind of empowers them. 
The second half of the season saw Arsenal go on a terrific winning run that culminated in a 1-0 win at Old Trafford in March. It did, and that was the game in which Alex Ferguson admitted United lost the title. It was the proverbial six-pointer, with Arsenal nine points behind, but with three games in hand. If United win it, or maybe even draw, it's their title. But Arsenal were fantastic that day. It was an outstanding win, and psychologically finished United. Gary Neville says Arsenal's 1998 team is the best he ever faced in the Premier League. That says it all, especially as he faced other great sides like the 2002 title winners and, of course, the Invincibles two years later. So what made that team so special? First things first, to win the double in Wenger's first full season as a manager was staggering. It was a very well-constructed team and he played a huge part in that. Yes, the back four was already in place, as was Parler and, of course, Dennis Bergkamp, but Wenger brought in some terrific players to complement them. There was that formidable midfield axis of Vieira and Petit. Overmars was hugely influential. And then there was Anelka, who was one of the best young strikers in the world at that time. There was a terrific balance in that side, allied with strength and quality and depth a beautiful blend of youth and experience that clicked magnificently. The Arsenal first-team squad, 1997-98. 1. David Seaman, 2. Lee Dixon, 3. Nigel Winterburn, 4. Patrick Vieira, 5. Steve Bould, 6. Tony Adams, 7. David Platt, 8. Ian Wright, 9. Nicholas Anelka, 10. Dennis Bergkamp, 11. Mark Overmars, 12. Christopher Ray. 13. Alex Manager 14. Martin Keown 15. Ray Parler 17. Emmanuel Pettit 18. Gilles Grimondi 19. Remy Gard 20. Matthew Upson 21. Louis Beaumorte 22. Ian Sully 23. Alberto Mendes 25. Scott Marshall 26. Vince Bartram 27. Paul Shaw 28. Stephen Hughes 29. Glenn Helder, 30, Gavin McGowan, 31, Chris Kiwomia, 32, Isaiah Rankin, 33, Michael Black, and 34, Jason Crow. Country File, the news from our internationals. World Cup warm-ups. No fewer than nine of our first team players were in senior international action during the last fortnight. Here's how they got on. Granit Zaka scored a penalty in Switzerland's convincing 6-0 friendly win against Panama on Tuesday. Our midfielder netted from the spot after half an hour, after Bellerim Desamali had given the host the lead. Briel Mbolo, Steven Zuba, Mario Garanovic and Fabian Fry were also on target. Granit also captained his country to a 1-0 victory over Greece and played a key part in Desamil's 59th-minute winner too. Collecting a loose ball just inside Greece's half, Granit picked out Harris Seferovic, who crossed for Desmaili to spectacularly volley home. Enrique Mkhitaryan featured twice for Armenia, captaining his country in their goalless draw against Estonia and in their 1-0 defeat at the hands of Lithuania.
Lauren Koscielny played the entirety of France's win over Russia on Tuesday. Two goals from Kylian Mbappe and one from Paul Pogba helped Les Bleus to victory, with Fedor Smolov scoring for this summer's World Cup hosts. Laurent missed France's defeat against Colombia, but David Ospina did feature. Former gunner Olivier Giroud capitalised on our keeper's error to give Les Bleus the lead, before Thomas Lamar added to Colombia's woes. But La Tricolore hit straight back through Luis Muriel and Radamel Falco, before Juan Quintero completed the comeback from the penalty spot. David then started against Australia at Craven Cottage, keeping a clean sheet in a goalless draw. Elsewhere, Mesut Ozil helped Germany to a 1-1 draw against Spain in Dusseldorf, but missed the world champions' 1-0 defeat against Brazil. Mohamed Elneny featured twice for Egypt, completing 90 minutes in their 2-1 defeat against Portugal, in which Cristiano Ronaldo scored twice in second-half stoppage time, and in a 1-0 loss against Greece in Zurich. Saad Kosalniak assisted Bosnia and Herzegovina's win in their friendly victory over Bulgaria in Bratsgrad. Our fullback surged forward on the left-hand side before squaring a first-time cross to Kenan Kodro, who slotted home from close range. Saad then played 74 minutes of a goalless draw against Senegal. Alex Iwobi played an hour of Nigeria's 1-0 win against Poland in Wroclaw. In the end, it took a Victor Moses penalty to separate the skies, with the Chelsea player converting from the spot after being brought down in the box. Alex also started at Barnet in a 2-0 defeat against Serbia in London on Tuesday. Danny Welbeck played the final 23 minutes of England's 1-0 win over the Netherlands in Amsterdam. Jesse Lingard's strike proved to be the difference as Gareth Southgate's side extended their unbeaten streak to seven games. They then stretched it to eight, courtesy of a 1-1 draw with Italy at Wembley, although neither Danny nor Jack Wilshire were involved. Finally, Dan Ilyev was on the bench for Macedonia's 1-1 draw with Azerbaijan and their goalless draw against Finland. Arsenal Internationals Armenia Enrique Mkhitaryan 72 caps, 25 goals Bosnia Said Kosalniak 24 caps, no goals Colombia David Ospina 86 caps, no goals Costa Rica, Joel Campbell, 70 caps, 14 goals. Czech Republic, Petr Cech, 124 caps, no goals. Egypt, Mohamed Elneny, 56 caps, 3 goals. England, Jack Wilshire, 24 caps, 2 goals. Carl Jenkinson, 1 cap, no goals. Callum Chambers, 3 caps, no goals. Danny Welbeck, 37 caps, 15 goals. France, Laurent Koscielny, 51 caps, 1 goal. Alex Lacazette, 16 caps, 3 goals. Gabon, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, 56 caps, 23 goals. Germany, Per Mertesacker, 104 caps, 4 goals. Mesut Ozil, 89 caps, 22 goals. Shokran Mustafi, 20 caps, 2 goals. Japan, Takuma Asano, 14 caps, 3 goals. Nigeria, Alex Iwobi, 12 caps, 4 goals. Spain, 
Santi Cazola, 77 caps, 14 goals. Nacho Monreal, 21 caps, 1 goal. Hector Bellerin, 3 caps, no goals. Spain, Granit Xhaka, 61 caps, 9 goals. Wales, Aaron Ramsey, 52 caps, 13 goals. Club culture. Busy Bulgarians. Arsenal Bulgaria recently organised two charity games with Milan SC in the cities of Plovdiv and Sofia, and they raised more than £500 for the charity Autism Today. Two members were also volunteers in the Dadic National Radio Charity Auction and were special guests of the Danish ambassador's residence. He turned out to be a Liverpool fan, but was more than happy to pose with an Arsenal Bulgaria scarf. For the auction, ASCB donated two tickets for today's game, with an opening price of 150 Bulgarian lev each. Both were eventually sold for more than 800 lev, or £480. The supporters who bought them are at the game today with a contingent from ASCB. ASCB were also excited to welcome Said Kolasinat to Bulgaria during the recent international break when his Bosnian national team travelled to the country. Members from Veliko Tanovo, Dobrich and Varna met him at the airport and in the hotel. Caring Cape Town On Saturday, March 17th, Arsenal Cape Town held their second highly successful FIFA 18 tournament. In total, more than 30 entries were received after reaching out on social media and by word of mouth. Arsenal Cape Town partnered with a premier e-sports events company in Cape Town called Zomigema to organise the event, and the team there did a stellar job. All of this at no cost. ACT managed to get a videographer for the day who captured footage of the event, as well as the people impacted by their work, such as long-time beneficiary Jared and his mum at their home. ACT sat down to find out how they were doing since he underwent an operation last December. ACT also reached out to the team over at Premier League Productions, who were very interested in the work the group was doing, so much so that they have put together a piece based on the footage taken by the group, which featured on their programme this week. For more information, please visit www.arsenal.com forward slash supporters clubs forward slash setting hyphen up hyphen your hyphen own hyphen club my story the arsenal foundation the arsenal foundation has helped to fund resources for autism a charity that provides practical services for children and adults with an autistic spectrum condition and for those who love and care for them Tony Banks reveals how he has benefited from their work. I'm 55 and I'm from Leytonstone. I was referred to Resources for Autism in 2013. My previous support worker recommended them because their support was ending. I wanted to go to Awestruck, which is the social group RFA runs, because I wanted ongoing support with my autism, plus meeting other people with the same condition is really helpful. I attend Awestruck in Islington every Tuesday evening. My favourite session was the Lego evening, but we also go bowling, to the cinema and to pubs and restaurants. We go on outings every other week around London, and I've been to the theatre twice, which I'd never done before. 
We saw the curious incident of the dog in the night time and the play that went wrong. I'm also planning to start attending the art group too, which is something I'm looking forward to. We also have evenings at the centre where we talk about how it feels to have autism, which is important to me. The group is a safe and supportive space for me to come to. In terms of emotional support, it helps to have people to talk to that understand autism and the challenges that I face. I receive practical support as well. Charlotte from Resources for Autism has twice helped me to appeal for my Freedom Pass, which means I can travel for free around London. That's also very important for me, because I don't want to be stuck at home on my own. The awestruck meeting is a long way from home, but I enjoy travelling to the group. It takes me two hours each way, but there's nothing similar in Redbridge. I feel things have changed for me since I first went to Awestruck. It's really nice to have something to do once a week where I can go out with others and experience what London has to offer with a group rather than on my own. Resources for Autism has helped me to feel less isolated. Also, I've been on the Emirates Stadium tour twice, which was amazing. The highlights were having a look behind the scenes at the players' areas, seeing the director's box and feeling the pitch under my feet. I think it's great that the Arsenal Foundation helps charities like Resources for Autism. It's important that organisations help those in need and supporting smaller local charities mean that people like myself benefit. For more information, visit resourcesforautism.org.uk. Teams for Arsenal, manager Arsene Wenger, red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and red and white socks. 4. Per Matasaka. 6. Laurent Koscielny. 7. Henrik Mkhitaryan. 8. Aaron Ramsey. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Jack Wilshire. 11. Mesut Ozil. 13. David Ospina, goalkeeper. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 16. Rob Holding 17. Alex Iwobi 18. Nacho Monreal 19. Santi Carzola 20. Shkodran Mustafi 21. Callum Chambers 23. Danny Welbeck 24. Hector Bellerin 27. Konstantinos Mafropanos 29. Granit Xhaka 30. Ainsley Maitland-Niles 31. Siad Kalasinak 33. Petra Cech, goalkeeper 35. Mohamed Elneny 43. Josh Da Silva 44. Vlad Dragomir 47. Charlie Gilmore 50. Dan Ilyev, goalkeeper 54. Matt Macy, goalkeeper 61. Rhys Nelson 62. Eddie Nketiah 63. Jordi Osetutu 69. Joe Willock For Stoke City, manager Paul Lambert White shirts with blue and red trim Blue shorts, red, white and blue socks 1. Jack Butland, goalkeeper 2. Moritz Bauer 3. Eric Peters 4. Joe Allen 5. Kevin Wimmer 6. Kurt Zuma 7. Stephen Ireland 8. Glenn Johnson 9. Shido Barino 10. Eric Maxim Chupo Moting 11. Jesse 14. Ibrahim Afale 15. Bruno Martins Indy 16. Charlie Adam 17. Ryan Shawcross 18. Mame Biran Diouf 20. Jeff Cameron 21. Kostas Tavalidis 22. 
Jerdan Shakiri, 24, Darren Fletcher, 25, Peter Crouch, 27, Badu Ndiye, 29, Jacob Hogarth, goalkeeper, 32, Ramadan Sobi, 33, Lee Grant, goalkeeper, 40, Therese Campbell, 42, Tom Edwards. Officials, referee Craig Pawson, assistant referees Stuart Burt, Richard West, fourth official Kevin Friend. Today's other fixture, Chelsea versus Tottenham Hotspur at 4pm. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Hello, this is Arsene Wenger. That brings us to the end of this audio production of the Arsenal Matchday programme. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. MBNA, official partner of Arsenal. The perfect match. Working together to make good stuff happen for fans. MBNA is a responsible lender. Credit cards issued by MBNA Limited. Credit is available subject to status to UK residents age 18 or over. Switch, save, and win. Catch your bell. Win Arsenal prizes and do something for the planet. This season we're giving Arsenal fans even more chances to win great prizes with an exciting new competition. Of course, you can still get the same 100% green electricity that powers Emirates Stadium for your home and is less than the price of the average standard tariff from the big suppliers. Sign up today at afc.octopus.energy for more chances to win. Octopus Energy, official energy partner with Arsenal. Switch online now at afc.octopus.energy.
Arsenal, always ahead of the game. Red Membership 2017-18. Membership benefits include priority ticket access, access to ticket exchange, exclusive membership pack, access to unlimited Arsenal video content. Join today from £29. Always ahead of the game.com. Arsenal Stadium Tour. Get closer to the home of football. Includes the FA Cup experience. Audio tours in nine languages. Find out more at arsenal.com forward slash tours. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.